0: This morning, we continue in our series of Knowing God. We've discussed, if my memory is correct, knowing God through prayer, knowing God, the God of the impossible, knowing how to be grateful to God, uh, the one defining questions, so many topics on who God is. And were you blessed last Sunday by our brother Nate? Who shared his uh, message, a message that God impressed upon his heart to share with us and he entitled it The Ransom. He entitled it The Ransom because unless we know what we were ransomed from and the cost of that ransom, we will not be able to appreciate the grace of God. That's why in Matthew 20, 26-28 it says, It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to what? Gave his life a ransom for many. Your salvation, my salvation, was bought and paid for by the precious blood And life of our Lord Jesus Christ. He ransomed us. Did you watch the movie Ransom? Galeng. Oh, yes, these two people at the back, when it comes to movies, I should ask Tessa and Hill. Ransom. They kidnapped Mel Gibson's daughter. They were asking. Son. Oh, yeah, another movie, Aficionado. They were asking for how much? One million. What did Mel Gibson do? He came out on TV because he's a multi-billionaire. They kidnapped my son. They're offering one million reward. Whoever you are, if you're watching right now, I'm offering two million so that you bring those kidnappers to me. See, the ransom goes up. And the amount of the ransom is directly proportionate To the person who is kept enslaved or in bondage. You and I, according to the Bible, are enslaved because of our sin. But Jesus Christ shed his precious blood. Our Lord Jesus Christ died so that you and I can be set free. Jesus Christ ransomed us. And he ransomed us. Therefore, he owns us. Our very lives are you being blessed by knowing God we have been discussing the attributes of God now what is an attribute an attribute well it is not merely a character trait that God may express but it is a trait that is part of God in essence It is not a quality that God has. It is what God is. For example, one attribute that is exclusive to God is holiness. God is not just someone who is holy. He is the epitome of holiness. God is not just someone who has the characteristic of being faithful. He is faithful. You see the difference? Oh, uh, excuse me. Before I proceed, I would just like to make some very quick announcements. There are going to be a lot, so please bear with me. Our Christmas worship or party is moved to December 28th instead of December 21. Lake Woody group will meet in Rosemead. Rosemead group will meet in Riverside. West Covina group will meet in Long Beach. Youth Bible study will be at church. Young adults will meet online. Sunday services for the coming weeks will be as follows: November 16, 8:30, November 23, 9 o'clock, November 20, 30. and, of course, Sunday school, because of the size, will be moved to Mondays. You like that schedule? What's wrong with that schedule? This is not the usual or the normal things we do, right? Now, what if next week I come up here again and then we switch everything again? Okay, let's have church on Thursday, Sunday school on Tuesday. Everybody meets in Riverside. What's my point? If we keep on CCF, you know what CCF? Change, change fellowship. (laughs) You will not be able to track with us. You will not be able to follow. Why? If you're like me, you want certain things in a routine, in a order. And the Bible is very clear. God is a God of order. My topic this morning is an attribute of God called God is immutable. Napakahai words naman pastor. Okay, God is unchanging. God is unchanging. Malakai tells us, For I, the Lord, what? Do not change. If God keeps on changing his mind, do you like to worship such a God? Sunrise will come at 3 (laughs) p.m. Sunset will come at 7. God ordained all of these things. When he first created everything, he put all of these things in place. In the book of Genesis when he created the Sun and called it day and then he created the moon and the stars and called it night and then he separated the waters that they would no longer come to the ground and then he did this and then he did that there is a certain order that God has instituted that God has put in place and God says I the Lord do not change. His purposes, his counsel, his being, his attributes, they do not change. Guess who changes? We do. Where can we see in Scripture this idea or this principle, aside from the book of Malachi, about his unchangeableness? May I request everyone to please stand as we read Hebrews chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. Let's begin. For when God made... Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for the freedom that we have in worshiping you. Lord, we worship you because of who you are, not because of what you can do for us. And we praise you, Lord God, for the things that you continue indeed to do for us. Speak through me, Lord, speak through me, speak to your people, and reveal yourself to us in a new way that we may really appreciate who you are and who you are in our lives. Father, apart from your Holy Spirit, I cannot do this thing that you have called me to do. But I give the glory, the honor to you this morning. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You see that word, unchangeableness, in verse 17. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise. The unchangeableness of his purpose. No one can change the purposes of God. Even your prayers cannot change the mind of God because I, the Lord, do not change. Now, this passage that I chose for us deals with Abraham. Abraham was barren, he had no children. His wife, Sarah, was beyond childbearing years, but God gave him a promise, and God repeated the promise, and then God repeated the promise for a third time, and what God did in this particular passage taken from the Old Testament is revealed to us again by the writer of Hebrews. God made a promise to Abraham, in their time, when you enter a covenant, the two parties involved in the covenant, to seal the covenant, would have an offering. They would slice the animal in two. And they would lay half of the animal on one side, and half of the other animal on the other. And the two parties involved in the contract would walk down these pieces of flesh to symbolize that if any one of them violates the covenant, violates the agreement they are now entering into, may it be done to them as they have done to this animal. You get the picture? In a human contract, you have the parties involved, the representation and warranties, and you have the penalty clause, correct? Now, why do you have the penalty clause? Because for some reason or another, if one or even both parties violate their contract, then you can sue, right? In this particular contract, God, told Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would bless Abraham with a son, and he would be a father of great nation, and all the nations will be blessed through him. Now, it says in verse 16, for men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them a note given as confirmation in an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of His nature, interposed with an oath. In that what? There are two unchangeable things. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And that we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take the hope set before us. God committed himself to be the only party who would be able to fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham. That's why if you read in the book of Genesis, when God spoke to Abraham in a vision, the animals were split apart, but it was only God through a smoldering pot who went in between the two split animals. Instead of both he and Abraham going through to seal the covenant, it was only God. Therefore, what God is saying that I made this promise, and I alone, because of who I am, I'm the only one who will fulfill this. All you need to do, Abraham, is to believe. And Abraham believed. And God reckoned it. God credited it to Abraham as what? as righteousness God declared Abraham righteous Jesus entered for us even higher than the order of Melchizedek the high priest therefore our topic today God is unchanging Malachi 6 I the Lord do not change I'm going through a lot of scripture with you this morning. But that's our main point. God does not change. The immutability of who God is. Psalm 90. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world. Even from what? From everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Before there was anything, there was God. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, when there was absolutely nothing, there was God. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Revelation twenty two thirteen: 13. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, the End. It all starts with God. It will all end with God. Our very concepts of time emanate only from God. Even the year that we celebrate, 2014, comes from what? The death of Jesus Christ. 2014 A.D. Anno Domini. After the death of Christ. James tells us, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. It depends on what time of the day you are strolling, and you will notice where your shadow is. If you're walking this way and and the sun is behind you, your shadow will probably be in front of you, right? If the sun, if you're walking towards the sun, then where will your shadow be? Now, if your shadow is moving and you are not, we have a problem. God is not a shifting shadow. 2 Timothy 2 13. If we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. You see, an attribute is not just a character trait. It is who he is. It is the essence of God to be faithful. Therefore, even if we are faithless, he cannot deny himself. He cannot disown himself. He will continue to be faithful to us. Now, that's the kind of God Now, I want to put my faith on. Because if he's like this, then I can trust him, I can rely on him, he will not change his mind, he will never change the way he looks at me. Because he is God and he is immutable. Famous theologian by the name of A.W. Pink writes in the attribute of God, he cannot change for the better for He is already perfect. And being perfect, He cannot change for the worse. God is perfect in all He says, in all that He does, in all of His counsel, in all of His ways. He is perfect. But what do we do? Instead of Asking God what He wants to teach us. When we come into an adverse situation, when we have a conflict, what do we do? Instead of asking, What do you want to teach me? Why? Why are you allowing this? You don't know what's going on in my life, you don't care. But God is faithful. How can He not care? You see, our worship of God does not even add anything to who God already is. God does not need us. God does not need us to worship Him. Since eternity passed, there were angels already worshiping Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of your glory. He doesn't need us. Our worship, our songs of praise, they don't add anything to who God already is. But when we sing, when we come, when we worship and I hear you you know when the band begins to mellow down and then I hear your voices I'm so blessed I have goosebumps and I say a silent prayer God your people are worshiping you God does not change his purposes does not change his counsels do not change when he says that he loves you he loves you and how do I know that he loves us well we have the immutability of who God is we also have the immutability the unchangeableness of his word look at Psalm 89 verse 34 my covenant I will not violate nor will I alter the utterance of my lips so when God says something guess what that's truth that will never change that is a constant and you can use that as your anchor Psalm 119 verse 89 forever O Lord your word is settled where? in heaven you know only in this earth is the will of God not settled how do I know this? Because in heaven, the will of God is settled. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as it is in in heaven. There's no debate. When God says something, that's truth. Here, when God says something, when you read the Bible, and you see that it applies to you, ah. Maybe God meant otherwise. (laughs) Ah, this is for my wife. Ah, this is for my husband. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In heaven, there's no debate about who God is. The angels worship him. In heaven... When God utters a word, that's it. There's this saying, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. You get me? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Your word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. Joshua 21:45. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass has God promised you an abundant life? yes so God why is my bank account still in the red? well God said He's gonna give you an abundant life God never says He's gonna give you money your health is wealth your family you have so much but what do we do? Well, their house is bigger their car is newer we are always in a sense of discontent. Malcontent. When the Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain. None of the good promises of the Lord has failed. Everything has come to pass. Now how will you know the good promises of the Lord if you don't Watch this. This is not butterfly. Watch this. If you don't read the Bible, how will you know the good promises of the Lord? From Since the day you were saved up to, to now, your only memory verse is Jesus' web. How will you know the good promises of the Lord if you don't spend time Reading his word because his promises are true. His promises to you will come to pass because God does not change. How about Isaiah 48? The grass withers, the flower fades, but what? The word of our God stands forever. You know the season, especially here in America, we have four seasons. In the Philippines, we only have two, wet and wetter. Here you have four. How do you know that there is a changing of the season? Not Edwin's season, not Elaine's season, okay? How do you know that the season is about to change? You see it. Where do you see it, Brother Romy? In the leaves. See, the grass, one day, they're all green. Next day, they're turning yellow. Next day, they're turning brown. Next day, they're on fire. Yes? Yes? Because the seasons change, right? But our God does not change. The immutability of God is forever established. The immutability of the Word of God is forever established. The Word of God will not change. Because it was His utterance, carried along by, by divine inspiration to the gospel writers, carried along by the Holy Spirit, God speaking to men and men putting them down on paper. For every word of Scripture is breath of God. But we, oh, have you read the Bible? Yes, pastor. Where are you? Just New Testament. Why? Uh, Old Testament is very old. But that is the whole counsel of Scripture. Some people just read the Old Testament. Why? Because this is, you know, whatever reason. Read both the old and the new. Why? Because that is the whole counsel of Scripture. That is the whole counsel of God. How will I know the promises of God for me if I don't read, if I don't spend time? In our young couples group just this Friday, you know, we, we realize the reality of American living. One of our members has to drive one and a half hours just to get to work. Wow, I said in one and a half hours, from 7 to 7.30, you have Brian Brotherson. From 7.30 to 8, you have Chuck Smith. From 8 to 8.30, just a twist of the dial, you have Alistair Begg. If you're really early, you can catch John MacArthur from 6.30 to 7. We don't have any excuse. Because technology is there. I drive to work, my my radio is already set. And I know at 8 o'clock I switch because Alistair Begg from 8 to about 8.30. There's so many ways to absorb God's Word. You have the written Word. You have it in the book. You have have them on your phone. You can listen to them on the radio. You can watch them on TV. What excuse do we have? I submit to you, we have no excuse. We're just not willing to put in the time. The immutability of who God is. The immutability of his word. How about the immutability of God's hatred for sin? Proverbs six sixteen 16 to 19. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven. Which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Does God hate sin? Unless you are convinced that God hates sin, you and I will be toying, dabbling with sin. I'm sure you know Revelation 21, eight, right? For the cowardly, the vile, the unbelieving, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, Ah, those are big things. But what's towards the end? In all liars, their place will be the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. God hates sin. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They just ate of the fruit. But that was an act of disobedience and I have not yet read any translation of scripture that says and when the woman saw that the fruit was good for eating, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took a bunch and then he and Adam they ate a lot one bite and she gave to her husband who was with her and he too And because God is holy, He is not just someone who happens to be holy, He is holy. Because of one singular, solitary act of disobedience, man, whom God created to be immortal, became mortal. Cursed is the ground from which you came. From the ground you were to the ground you shall return. And God had to banish Adam and Eve from his presence because of one sin. I have committed more than one sin. God hates that sin. You see, we like this picture that God is always, you know, seated on the throne. He is compassionate. He is faithful. He is just. Yes, all of these things. But God also has an anger. He has wrath. Look at what it says in Romans. For the wrath, the wrath of God is what? Is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness now let me ask you does God hate the person God's wrath is directed towards what is God's wrath directed towards the sin or is God's wrath directed towards the sinner look at it God's wrath is being poured out from heaven Against not the ungodly, but the ungodliness that men do. This is not new. What did God have to do with the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? He destroyed the city. God, if you find 100 people, will you destroy the city? Bargain, bargain. If I find 100, no. Uh, How about 50? Uh, If I find 15, no. How about 10? If I find 10, no. Only Lot was saved. His wife was supposed to be saved with him. But what? (laughs) Sigurum, (laughs) sail. Sail. (laughs) Takbo. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) sail. God hates sin. And if we who call ourselves Christian, we should also hate sin. We should not be playing around with sin. We should love what God loves and we should hate what God hates. Amen? That's why he tells us, For all have won, have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Who said this? This utterance. This is forever settled in heaven. But many people... Say, I'm not part of that. I don't sin like my I don't sin like my boss. That's not the issue, friends. God is telling us, all of us have sinned. God's standard is perfection. God's standard is holiness. So in God's standards, he is right to say, all have sinned. But in our standards, because we don't compare ourselves with God and we choose to compare ourselves with others, we deceive ourselves. I say, No, I'm not a sinner. I only lie occasionally. My boss, there's a sinner. See? My husband, there's a sinner. But me, I don't sin. I lie a little. You know, in my anger, sometimes I cut off the person on the freeway. You remember the message that Sunday? If you are angry with your brother, you have committed murder. God gave the law in the Old Testament, Jesus defined the law in the New Testament. And since the Bible tells us. All of us are are sinners. The immutability of God's hatred towards sin. Sin has to be punished. Sin has to be paid for. That's why in Romans 6.23, what does it say? The wages, the payment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Sin has to be paid for. And we dabble. Adultery. Uh, it was just a fling. Just a fling. It was an indiscretion. You lied. Oh, well, it was just a white lie. Sometimes I use blue, green, pink. <laughs> Depends. We call it things. God calls it sin. Man has made God's law relative rather than absolute. That's why we have all kinds of people who do not wish to call sin a sin because they don't like to be accountable. They want to live their lives the way they want to live their lives without need for accountability. That's why they negate God and God's laws. Because I want to do my thing, and I don't want to be accountable to anyone or anything. God hates sin. God hates all kinds of sin. The immutability of who God is. The immutability of God's word. The unchangeable truth that God hates sin. And then, of course, the immutability or the unchangeability of God's love because if we just talk about sin we're doomed Jeremiah 31 3 says the Lord appeared to him from afar saying I have loved you with an everlasting love therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness God knows exactly who we are what we have done and what we will do but God's love for us, as he says in his word, that does not change. I have loved you, what? With an everlasting love. Before you and I were born, God already loved us. Even if God already knew what we were going to do, God already loved us. And what is he doing? He's drawing us. He's come, inviting us to come to him and I have drawn you with what? Loving kindness. You remember the story of the prodigal son? And Tim Keller wrote a book, the prodigal what? Prodigal God, because it's not usual. It is beyond this world for a son to do what that son did to the father and then we, he, when he came back, if I were that father, you lost everything, right? Now you're coming back? Okay. Be with the slaves. You got to earn everything that I gave. Your elder brother, he's now in charge. You talk to him. But what did God do? To show us that we should not be self-righteous as the elder brother was. Come. And he called to the slave. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. He is restored to his position as if he never left. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is what? Is good. His loving kindness is what? Everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. But God does not force himself on us, He invites us to come to Him. He will never force anyone, He invites. We sang about it a while ago. Look at what Romans 8, 38, 39 says. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What thing in this world And in the heavens did God not create nothing. This is how steadfast God's love is for you and for me. Now once you come to faith in Christ, the Bible through this passage tells us you can't do anything for God not to love you you have to be convinced. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that I now have in Christ Jesus. That love is in Christ Jesus. And for you to be inseparable from God, you have to have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, there's an immutability of God's salvation for you. Isaiah 51.6 Lift up your eyes to the sky then look to the earth beneath for the sky will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not wane. When God saves you through Jesus Christ, your place in heaven is secure. His salvation does not fade. His salvation does not tarnish. His salvation does not rust. It is forever secure in heaven. And his righteousness does not ever wane. That's why he says in Revelation 3, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. God can do anything. He can do anything. But he has committed himself. Daddy, principle of Estoppel, right? See, the law says if you say something, you are stopped from saying otherwise. God exercised this principle of bestoppel when he said, I'm not going to erase your name. Your salvation is secure. Your place in heaven is bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. Nothing will change that. Nothing will change the way I love you. You cannot do anything for you to separate from me. Because I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. God can erase your name because He is God, but He says, I will not. And as a matter of fact, I will be your advocate. I will speak on your behalf to God, my Father, and I will speak your name to the angels. Wow! In the Philippines, when we have a difficulty especially with the law what do you usually do call for padrino godfather who do we know do you know somebody over here do you somebody know somebody over there jesus christ is my advocate he speaks on my behalf he appeals my case to god the father and he speaks my name before the angels my salvation is secure and we know this God, what? So loved the world. And how did He prove it? He gave. He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When God saves you, you're saved. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. The judgment that should have fallen on us fell on Jesus. I used to work for a financial firm in the Philippines. I had a lot of uh, high net worth individuals we call them. Five million pesos in our was very small. We were dealing with people in the fifties, hundreds, and hundreds of millions. And one of our friends, well, he was an elderly gentleman, he was one of my clients, and we had a common friend. The common friend, his name was Jess. He was about the same age of this gentleman. As a matter of fact, the Jess was the father of my grade school classmate. So I said, he brought up the conversation. You know, when we're in business, we just deal with business. We're not allowed to share about other things, especially spiritual things. But when he mentioned the name, he said, yeah, I know Jess. He goes to your church, right? I said, yes, sir. So I said, how about you, sir? Oh, I don't go to church anymore. Oh, sorry to hear that. Why? Well, he keeps on changing. I said, what do you mean? Well. I have friends before who died. And based on what was the rule before, they went to hell. And then they changed the rule. The sin that the person committed when he died, which would which would have sent him directly to hell, would not send him directly to hell anymore. So I'm confused. God does not change. He stopped going to church because change, 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 change. This sin brings you directly to hell. This sin does not. And he had friends who died in that state of sin when they died. So all this time, he th- they were in hell. Now they're not in hell. So where are they? He's confused. Well, God says, I hate sin. All right? Well, God says, the wages of sin is death. All right? But what does God say? I sent my son Jesus Christ so that you would not have to pay. And instead of paying, you would be given the grace of eternal life. That's why when I sent my son, according to verse 17, I did not send him to judge the world. I sent him to save the world. You see, God cannot change his mind. What if tomorrow the way to salvation is different? And on Wednesday, it will be different again. And then on Thursday, it will revert back to the original. You are like a ship without an anchor. Tossed by the waves. If the current goes to the right, we go to the right. If the current goes to the left, we go to the left. There is no steadfastness. There is no constancy. There is no foundation. God is the same. How do I know this? Jesus Christ said, Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. I did not come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. See, God says in the Old Testament, This is the law. If you are able to follow this, You will go to heaven. Here comes Jesus Christ. God can easily say, okay, we throw the law out of the window. But God didn't do that. This is the law. It has to be fulfilled. These people do not have the capacity to fulfill the law. Therefore, I will provide a solution. In the book of Esther, you have a picture of what is called the laws of the the law of the Medes and Persians king Xerxes by deception because he was deceived by Haman he came out with a decree that at a certain hour of the day everyone was supposed to bow to his statue Haman wanted the Hebrews the Jews to die because H- Haman knew that they're not going to bow down Okay. But when Haman found out that his wife Esther was a Jew it meant that Esther would not bow down. And if Esther would not bow down Esther would have to be killed. Yes? The law of the Medes and Persians you cannot recant you cannot change your mind. So what happened? King Xerxes issued another decree that if you kill a Hebrew, you will be killed. So can you kill the Hebrew? No. Did he change the law? No. He added another law to offset the law because the law cannot. Be changed. I did not come to abolish the law. I did not come to change what God had preordained. I came to fulfill the law. Because God is immutable, because God does not change, you and I can trust Him because He can be trusted 1000%. All the time. This week, I made a boo boo. I promised somebody that I would do something for him. But as a human being, I thought it was this day, but long story short, I didn't make the deadline. And even if I try my best, I cannot reverse things. I'm not God. And before you, I'd like to make a public apology to my brother Jay, to his mom, Joam, and his father, Bogie, that because of the scheme of things, I was not able to turn in what he requested from me to submit for his education. And I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed that he would trust me and I would fail him. So again, I apologize. I have asked for his forgiveness and they have forgiven me. I say, I'm not God. I'm not making this as an excuse. If you want to trust somebody who will never fail you, can I encourage you? Put your faith in God. He's the only one who will never change. He's the only one who will never fail you. He's the only one when he says, this is what I say, it is done. I can't correct what had happened and I can only hope and pray that the school will still honor Jay's application. God does not change. People change. So when you feel that God is far from you, who moved? When you feel that God is not listening to you, what are you talking to him about? God is immutable. God does not change. His purposes does not change. When he says you are a sinner, that's right. When he says that he loves you, that is true. When he says that he will save you, you can trust him. How do we respond to this? Because God can be trusted 1,000% of the time. You can trust God. We know by faith. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Have you expressed your love for God? Because this verse you can only claim if you are a child of God. If you're not a child of God, then you will question anything and everything that happens. Because you have no one to trust. But if you love God, and if you're part of that to those who love God, then you can rest. God, this is bad, but you are doing something good. I can't see it, I don't know it, but I trust you. Because you said so, because your word doesn't change, something good is going to happen. Because I am one who has expressed my love for you. Second response is the latter part of that verse. To those who have been called according to his purpose. If you have not yet come to faith in Christ, expressing your love to God through Jesus Christ, you can. It's called prayer. And once you come to faith in Christ, you should know the purpose of God for you, which is in the next verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. God desires, number one, for you to be saved. Secondly, God wants you to look more and more like Jesus. Let's stop convincing ourselves. I'm already saved. Saved na naman ako. Eh. What more is there? Para ke? May kanting Spanish din tayo, bread. Why? I'm going to heaven. Why do I need to be more loving to my wife? I'm going to heaven. Why do I need to be more submissive to my husband? I'm already going to heaven. Why should I honor my father and my mother? I'm already going to heaven. Why should I train up my children in God and godly ways? I'm already going to heaven. Let's even erase... The branding. Let's not stop calling ourselves Christians. Let's begin calling ourselves Christ followers. Because until you have begun to follow Christ, the people around you will not notice who you are. See? So that you that he may be firstborn among many brethren. Why? When people see that you are conformed to the image of Christ. What's different with this person? And Lord willing, they ask. Hey, can I ask you about something? What? I know you got problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't look like. You know, you got problems. Well, let me tell you. I met this person. My marriage was in a mess. I took time out. I went to the States for four months. Our marriage was a mess. And this person intervened. Yeah, really? Ah, Who's that? His name's Jesus. Oh, man, you're one of those? Yeah. Because if not for God, in my life and in our marriage, forget it. How would you respond? First response, express your love to God. Second response, make sure that you're growing, growing more and more like Christ. Don't be content with just being a Christian. God never told us to make Christians. God told us to make disciples. God told us to make Christ followers. And we are accountable to God and accountable to each other.